episode of dad bod history we're gonna do a little uh speed round what if this this evening how you doing eric fine i'm good oh, another <laughs> another great lead in from eric that's how we always want to start just we just want to we always like to set the tempo with we don't really need you and that's what eric brings <laughs> so Apathy watch if does you want job. um Jeff, how you doing? You have a good weekend? I'm well. Yeah, I had a great weekend. Um, it's beautiful weather out here in Texas, and uh, made it out to uh, Glen Rose, Texas, where there's dinosaur tracks at the bottom of the river in the mud, and went and horse around okay. outside, and it was uh, it was very nice out. Yes. What took you to? I mean, was it just the dinosaur tracks, or was there anything else that brought you to Glen Rose? Yeah, it's a, it's a neat little town, and yeah, just dinosaur okay. tracks. Cool. That's awesome. Eric, did you do anything this weekend? Put together a trampoline for my kids. Like one of the big ones? Oh, it was the ones that are. Yeah. <laughs> it was for their Legos. Like, like one of the, <laughs> you you like just one of, bounce like, the guys right off there. Like, isn't that fun, kids? And they looked at me, they're like, you're the worst father ever. That's <laughs> a 12 footer. Um, it could fit in big. our 15 foot pool, I guess. Um, Let's see, did you hear how he did that? He snuck in that he also has a pool. Real subtle. Uh, solid flex. No, I'm yeah. Solid classy. Flex. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was fun. Put it together, and they just bounced around the past two days. Found something to fight Does about. Does it have what a, they're supposed to do, right? Does it have a netting that goes around? I so think that that's they, by law at this point. Yeah, it's got a it, netting. But I feel like the netting is almost... It can't I mean, it's optional. Many injuries. What? I watch a lot of ridiculousness, so I know a lot about trampoline injuries. That netting might not be helping at all. Is it more like uh, it's like a placebo effect, right? It makes you think you're safer, but you're not. Well, I mean, they're not gonna they're not gonna bounce off the thing onto the ground, right? So they're not gonna fall from seven or twelve feet or whatever. But you know, you're still gonna hit each other. If they hit the netting. They bounce back in, and like you said, they crack heads or they slip, and then their <laughs> and then their their legs go slipping down where the springs are, and they get all tangled up like a salmon. Like well, the netting good. the netting hooks on the inside of the spring, so there's not that much space. There's okay. just enough space for the toddler to get a limb stuck in there, but they're not going to fly off the trampoline. <laughs> I can. What are the chances that your wife? If she sees this, she's going to make you take that trampoline down next weekend. Some net burns, some missing yeah. fingers, but no I mean, broken necks. So, yeah, win-win. Basically, injuries, not nope. deaths. Okay, okay, that's all we're asking for. I'm on board with that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, my weekend was not that exciting. We built uh, a little medicine cabinet for one of our bathrooms, Ooh. and. Uh, and hung some curtains. It was uh, really exciting. Went to Home Depot. I mean, you oh, know, yeah. who knows what else we did? Yeah. I'm, so, there's some, there's there's some dad bods out there. You're talking their language right now. They're I know. all about who knows? that. Who Tell knows me more about else? the trip to Home Depot. I want to hear yeah. that. Yeah. Which I'll Dad bod about. nation wants to know. Yeah. It was nice. It was nice. Got some nice, uh, some really nice accents for our house. So nesting, that's what we're doing. Um, but I did get to watch my Packers. Uh, and you can say your dis- Packers. Dismantle you the Rams. I am. I'm an owner. That's right. Yeah. Dismantle the Rams. And, and now they get to host uh, the Buccaneers for the NFC Championship in Green Bay. So that'll be There's good. only one team I really want to lose at this point, And it's the Is Chiefs. It the Buccaneers. Oh, it's the Chiefs? I just can't stand the Chiefs. Okay. Why? Because they're awesome, exciting, fresh, young. What's I've the never met a Chiefs fan that I've liked. Jacob. Oh. All right, I'm with that. Can we say his full name? <laughs> you don't like him? Because we lived I, with him no, for okay, like two no, years. I, I guess Uh-oh. it's, this, it's, were you, it's were that you they're insufferable roommate? as Chiefs fans. 
and Joel. And then, Joel was a Chiefs. He, went, he lived with two Chiefs fans. You're saying he didn't like you? No, it makes sense that I would find them unsufferable or insufferable or oh. just <laughs> unsufferable. Well, you you hit Whatever. it well for 20 years. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's just every time that they go 10 and 0, the Chiefs fans just get all uppity, and I'm just I don't want to hear it. I'm sorry. Okay. Is this Anyways. because they were the AFC version of the Vikings for the longest time, but now they finally got over the hump? And Is this because you're a Cardinals up? fan and misery loves company or what? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to do the first 20 minutes without Eric. Yeah, he's walking away. I'm only coming back for continuity's sake. Okay. Oh, that hurts. Yeah. This will all be gone uh, in post, won't it? No, I, so yeah. if, if the Bills win, I'm okay with it. Packers win, I'm okay with it. Buccaneers win, oh. I'm okay with it. Chiefs win, I'm just no thank you. So because every year okay when it comes it. when it comes to the playoffs in the NFL, every year I, I make a list. I'm like, <laughs> and it, it's always a because the Vikings and Cardinals never managed to be there. It's always a bottom up list. Like this is the last team I want winning the Super Bowl. And here's the second to last team I want winning the Super Bowl. And I just make that list. And then I root based on that list. And I think that list is used by the NFL to determine who they're going to eliminate first because they start at the top of my list and work their uh-huh. way down until the team I okay. hate the most wins the Super Bowl. That's a very I mean, plausible scenario. Yeah, Everything revolves around me, but I kind of feel like it does in these circumstances, <laughs> but... Hey, so my, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not after you. Okay. So if, if, if it's my anyone but the Packers list, then I want the Bills to win because they've suffered a long, long time. And I think if, if you want to give it to someone other than Green Bay or God help us, Tom Brady, um, I think the Bills deserve a shot. So, okay, my, but, but wait, wait. If Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl, that means Belichick looks like was a, a fraud. Is that okay? No, because I don't – I think Tom Brady left New England at just the right time because all the talent left New England, not just Tom Brady, but Gronkowski was gone, Edelman's gone. I mean, they lost a lot of talent, and I think that's part of why Belichick looks bad. But I mean, it's a big, it's a big part of the Brady versus Belichick war. This is a significant battle. If Brady was to win this Super Bowl – first year of going to a new team and the Patriots don't even make the playoffs. That's significant. I agree. But I think Bruce Arians kind of copied Belichick styles, give Brady a really good defense and then give him Gronkowski and he's got a shot and that's what they've done. And, and here they are playing in the NFC championship because Belichick's Super Bowl teams were always like top 10 defenses. And then Brady had just enough weapons to work with to, to win those yeah, Super Bowls. True. Um, but you know what, as a Denver Broncos fan, I'm contractually obligated to hate the chiefs, but Pat Mahomes played high school football about a half hour from where I live and everybody loves him. Me included. He's awesome. I, I can't help but be a Pat Mahomes fan. He seems incredible. And I've always liked Andy Reid because he's a former Packer. He's from the Mike Holmgren coaching tree. He was like Brett Favre's quarterback coach back in the day. And uh, I've always thought he deserved it. And, and so when they won it last year, I was happy. But obviously, I don't want them winning a second one at Green Bay's expense. But that's neither here nor there. So I, I guess I disagree because I like Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. I don't care for the Chiefs personally, but I like those two players oh, or those two people a whole lot. And I hate I find there's a lot of players and people I like on these teams, on teams that I hate. There's mm-hmm. players for the Seahawks that I that I think are great, but I just can't stand the Seahawks. And I did want the Browns to win. I was really pulling <clears throat> I, for them today. I did too. So, yeah, I, I another team that has suffered mightily uh, in the NFL. So I was a little sad to see them go out. So in the uh, kind of in the spirit of tonight, just a real quick one. What if what if Modell doesn't move his franchise to Baltimore in '95? And the Ravens never exist. Yeah. Instead, they, you know, you, and the Browns just stay. They become, you know, everything the Ravens did in Baltimore, they do in Cleveland. Do the Browns go bankrupt? Are they the NFL's first team to go BK or what happens there? 
Cause that's yeah. what happened. They had a horrible stadium, they had a horrible stadium deal. They couldn't sign players. It was move out in the middle of the night or, I mean, they, they, they could never compete. It was, it was bad news for Modell. So he, I mean, it was just an economic reality that he had to leave because the league didn't want him to leave. The league wanted a team in Cleveland. That's why they made him leave the name Browns and the colors and all. They said, if you leave, you're starting from scratch. You have to start a whole new franchise, but you can take your players and your personnel, but you need a new city, a new name, a new logo. You cannot be the Browns. Yeah. Cause the Browns before the merger, they were one of those blue chip franchises. Um, like they were, I mean, Paul Brown, he's kind of one of those Mount Rushmore type characters. Yeah. Yeah. They probably would have gone bankrupt. They would have been the first NFL team to, to fold. Which is amazing to consider yeah. an NFL team on the verge of bankruptcy. What was that in the eighties? Does that happen? 90s. No, it would have been the nineties. Yeah. Cause then the new Cleveland Browns, that was like 98 or 99, right? When they yeah, 99. restarted. Yeah. And can we all agree the Ravens is a terrible name for yes. a football team? Yes. I get <laughs> the know, whole Edgar Allan Poe thing, but really NFL and Edgar Allan Poe, does that yeah. really work? I, he was a big, I about he was a big football Poe, fan, wasn't he? He loved the gridiron. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was. If you read. He was a safety Hart, for the Packers, see. wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he was a free safety. He just roamed the defense. It was he was unbelievable. Uncanny. It was, it was before even leather helmets. It was a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. And he had some sick trash talk. That was another reason that he was so popular in the early days of the NFL. <laughs> The Raven. I'm gonna cometh across this line and breaketh. <laughs> yeah, your necketh. Thump thump. Yeah, the thump, fall thump. of the house of Cleveland. Thump, thump. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, the purloined football. I mean, he just he just kept spitting it out. Good old. Hey, so okay, this is an interesting segue. Speaking of. Um, famous authors as I was getting ready for this podcast um, I remembered a story called a sound of thunder by Ray Bradbury you guys familiar with great this? short story yes so yeah great short story and um, it applies because what we're talking about I guess you know everything has the ability to change in the past a la a sound of thunder and uh Marty McFly to change the the present. So I'm, I'm assuming that most of what we're talking about, I mean, is, is that where we're going with this? Or are we talking mm -hmm. about how this ripples it's all the like, way through to today? Or, or are we talking about an immediate effect on, well, I think on the events surrounding what we're, our, our, our premise? Well, when we've done these before, we've always looked at the immediate stuff first, but then like, especially when we said, what if the Britons had repelled the Romans? And then we just butterfly affected it to modern day. But um, so whatever ramifications you want to take, I think is fine um, and, and run with that. But so there's a rule, right? We've got a five minute window to present our question. And in that five minutes, maybe a minute mo at most present what the situation is. So, for example, uh, if Washington hadn't crossed the Delaware, you know, he set up the example, what happened at the crossing of the Delaware, December 25th, captured a bunch of Hessians. What if that hadn't happened? What would be the impact of that? Um, and then from there we can debate. So like Jeff, if you want to go with yours first, say, here's my first one. Here's the one minute summary of it. And here's what I think would happen. And then we would just go, but we have five minutes. We can't go after that. After five minutes, you're going to move on to the next one. Okay, so I do not have a timer Five in front of me, and I'm using my in total for the topic. In total, yes. Oh. So this is okay. So totally who's got new. the timer? I will. I got it ready to go. Okay, what if Rommel was in Normandy on D-Day, which he should have been? He was stationed there. He should have been there. Um, starting uh, two years before the assault on D-Day, uh, Germany assumed that the the Western allies were going to uh, come to the Western front and they assumed that that's what was going to happen. So they started building the Atlantic wall, which is a 2,400 mile long network of bunkers, pillboxes, and mines. 
Rommel, arguably Germany's greatest military and strategic mind, was not present because of his wife's birthday. So uh, the premise here is that if Rommel is there, things go much differently and thus the war goes differently. Okay. Well, I think the first consequence is if Rommel skips his wife's birthday, that's not going to be great. So <laughs> I understand you want to win the war, but do you want to upset Mrs. Rommel? I don't know. But on a personal level, it's yeah. a, it would be a defeat. Yes. So that's my first take. Eric, what do you think? <clears throat> uh, I agree. <laughs> Second of all, uh, one of the issues um, in the Western Front um, of Europe at that time is that Adolf Hitler had kind of like a veto on all the military movements. So one of the immediate effects with Rommel being there is he has a little bit more control over what's going to happen. Um, I believe a lot of the panzer units, that's the armored tanks had been pulled back away from what would be the immediate front so that they could respond quickly or respond to anywhere. Right. But Rommel kind of knew, listen, if these tanks can be ready to go, we can roll over anything very quickly. Uh, so there's, there's kind of a, a top down authority in the Nazi regime go figure fascism. And it prevented a lot of those generals from having, from being able to respond in real time on the ground. They were waiting for orders from high command. So by Rommel being there, it, it kind of, it brings high command to the front. Um, I think immediately um, if Rommel's there, they're more likely to defeat them on the beaches and D-Day might be called off um, after the first waves. The, the long-term okay, effect so then Okay, so in the interest of time. Yeah. Yeah, well, so some long-term possibilities. Does Eisenhower win re-election? Does he resign if the invasion doesn't work? Um, you mean we Roosevelt? Th Roosevelt does not resign, ever. R Roosevelt doesn't resign? He wouldn't. No, so. not that guy. Okay, but we have a new administration. Um, then we have a, let's say we have a three-way tie in World War II. We got the Russia, Germany, and the U.S. come out. Germany sues for peace. Um, you have a three-way Cold War that lasts through the 80s and into the 90s. Yeah, it's well, possible. I, <clears throat> I, I don't think, I mean, I think even if D-Day gets called off, I don't think the Germans win the war because I think at this point, the Russians are rolling them back pretty effectively. Um, and I think one of the other things is, and Eric, you would know more about this, but Rommel was requesting certain amount, amounts of men and material and Yeah, and he was not happy with the preparation. And he was not, and he was not getting them. So he was, so even if he was there, he still didn't, I don't think had the 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 numbers he just didn't have the numbers to effectively fight i, I think that front. The, the big difference is that rommel then has the ability to make decisions that that wouldn't be made with him gone and his his decisions are going to be more beneficial the long-term thing is if uh if d-day is a failure i think we talked about this before if it's a failure and the allies do not sue for peace and we keep hostilities going, we plan for an invasion elsewhere. But if this pushes the war later into 1945, it's very likely we drop atomic bombs on Frankfurt or Hamburg or German cities in order to end the war. So it it brings uh, an atomic end to the war in Europe is a great possibility. Yeah, we didn't even talk about Japan. How does that affect? Well, see, there's all these other right. If, if we're still fighting in Europe, does that affect our war effort in Japan, or or do we? Continue I mean, they to, were they were two separate efforts in in a way, but um, yeah, I mean, forces in Allied forces in Europe were going to be transferred to the Pacific, but um, they never had to because we ended the war there. Time, time. That was a good one. That was a good one. Good job, Jeff. You know that mulligan is not getting cut out of post, right? Eric's going to keep that because no, he's it's not mine. It's not my mess up. This <laughs> <laughs> is the first good, good question, though. Um, Eric, do you want to go next? 
Sure. Um, I'm going to jump into, <clears throat> I, do you mind if I, if I go with the one that was requested of us or whatever, man. All right, let's go do this. Um, I posted the question of hey, what are some great what ifs in history uh, on Twitter and um, <clears throat> someone responded, you know, one person, I don't even think they were a follower at that point. Uh, <laughs> they are now. What? Yeah, they will be. Um, what if JFK is not assassinated? Um, so did you start my time yet? All right, I'm start. Um, no, I didn't. I so, uh, November 22nd, 1963, um, John F. Kennedy is in Dallas, uh, doing a visit. He's, he's riding with, uh, the governor, um, <clears throat> through Dallas and the official story is that Lee Harvey Oswald fires three shots out of the book depository window striking both the governor and Kennedy. Kennedy is, uh, takes a, a fatal wound. Uh, the car drives away. He dies later at, uh, what is it? Park Memorial. Parkland Hospital. Memorial. Parkland Memorial Hospital. <clears throat> and um, the question is, what if, what if this doesn't happen? A, what if he survives? Uh, what if he's not hit? You know, what if, what if basically he survives and continue his presidency in much the same effect that he can, or what if the assassination attempt never takes place, right? Um, so we know that um, within hours, uh, Lyndon B. Johnson is sworn in as president uh, with Jackie Kennedy standing there beside him. Um, and there's a lot of ideas of what happens if Kennedy is not assassinated on that day. Um, so that's kind of the what if, what, what do we think? Well, does the Vietnam I, War happen? That's that's the first yeah. big one that comes to my mind. We, we're already that's a great there. one. Be, well, but Kennedy was, and this is where a lot of the conspiracy theories is. Kennedy was looking to remove what advisors we had in Vietnam um, and and come to a peaceful resolution, at least for the Americans. He didn't want to be bogged down, and <clears throat> and really it didn't escalate until under Johnson's watch. That's right. Um, so that's a good point, Jeff. I. We possibly don't get as entrenched in Vietnam as as we did. That's a, a great possibility. Uh, my thought is Johnson doesn't become president. Um, that would be the first consequence. I don't I don't know if Johnson because if Kennedy lives, he would. Uh, I was just looking up his approval at the time of his death was fifty eight percent, which is pretty good. Um, so I would assume he would he would become the Democratic nominee for his reelection in 64, whether or not he wins that, I don't know, maybe Nixon goes again and, and beats him in 64, but I certainly don't think Johnson would be the president. A 58 approval is massive approval. Yeah. He yeah. probably wins reelection. And keep it in mind, Johnson wins in 64. Johnson yes. wins in 64 and there's not a landslide victory in 64 necessarily, but uh, Democrats have a large majority in 64. Um, mm -hmm. In my reading, a lot of the what ifs that came out of it were not, uh, you know, about really about Vietnam, but really about does the great society, Johnson's great society legislation go through, you know, Johnson was a big FDR guy. He was around for that. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and Kennedy doesn't really have the legislative relationships to push through these kind of big deals that Johnson did have. So Johnson has the, the, the wherewithal to force legislation. Um, it's a big part of why Kennedy picked Johnson as his VP is because right. he was the guy that could get stuff done. And so now that Johnson's president, all those things come to the forefront. And while Kennedy had a great approval rating, um, it was starting to wane. And so <clears throat> does he get kind of the mandate in 64 if, you know, there's not this kind of emotional uh, push behind the Democrats going into 64, knowing that they had their president assassinated? Right. And you know, if we follow out this, this sound of thunder thing, let's say that things work out just a little bit I mean, differently through history. And uh, so you had JFK, Martin Luther King, and then Bobby Kennedy were all assassinated in pretty short order there. And imagine all three of those figures live out their entire lives. Um, do that they almost remain, certainly has. Do they remain the heroes we consider them to be? I was just going to say that the Harvey Dent syndrome, right? Yeah. 
where you grow old and what is it? You either die young a hero or grow old to become a villain or something like that. Yeah. Only um, the good die young. And as my mother says, that's why my father will live forever. So. <laughs> <laughs> Great way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and uh, that's interesting. I, I don't know. I think another possible um, thing is, is, is the Kennedy dynasty. Does it continue on? If, if he does live and he does get reelected, does that, that dynasty that Joe Kennedy had built continue and we're done. All right. I guess I'll go next. Eric, do you want to hit the timer? Yeah, I got a timer. You got a timer. Okay. Um, all right. I'll start with this one. What if ancient Rome didn't have lead pipes? Uh, so in ancient Rome, a lot of the piping, so when, when the water would come in from the aqueducts or they took it from the Tiber or wherever, um, the water would go to fountains in the square. And that's where the common folk would, would get their water supply for the day. Peasants. But the aristocrats and the, yeah, those thieves. <laughs> um, but the aristocrats and specifically the emperor um, would have water piped directly into their houses or mansions. And that pipe was used, the, the metal that was used was lead as opposed to copper or ceramic piping, um, which it had kind of replaced because it was cheaper. Also, uh, their wine was made in these big pots, which were lead pots. So when it was boiled, the lead would come off into the wine. Um, and so it said Romans had a uh, very lead high diet. Um, the water or the wine that they drank was a hundred times higher in lead than what you'd get from a normal spring. Um, Claudius, one of the Roman emperors, they said 19 had a predilection to lead tainted food and wine, but Claudius, um, he was dull witted and absent minded. He had disturbed speech, weak limbs, ungainly gait, tremors, fits of excessive and inappropriate laughter and unseemly anger. All, oh, and he often slobbered. Um, all considered side effects of extreme lead poisoning. Um, and many of the emperors or usurpers had these same symptoms, although maybe not that excessive. Um, so my question have is- we, well, what if, Have we checked yeah. Washington DC's pipe system? We might need to. Okay. <laughs> so, but that's my question is, is if these, if the Roman emperors and aristocrats didn't have it, is there any effect on the length or the strength of the Roman empire? Does it stay unified? Does it not break up? Does it not get um, invaded? And I, I would think at a minimum, even if it eventually falls, there's gotta be a continuity there, you know, in leadership, you know, instead of one Marcus Aurelius, you would have several Marcus Aureliuses um, throughout the length of the empire. I think it's Aurelii. Aurelii, yes. Sorry, use yeah. the scientific plural. Oh, <laughs> so that's that's my thought, at least, you know, because we read about these crazy emperors and it's like, why are they so weird? And well, maybe because they all had lead poisoning. Um, this is a, I don't know, it's been something that's been brought up before. Yeah, no, and, and they used it all over. They, they lined their baths with it. Um, I, I heard this one other time on a... Uh, a television program and, and their contention was that the Romans knew that there were problems with lead, but it was so effective at what they wanted to use it for that they continued anyhow. But then to, to your point, does it stop any of the external forces that ultimately led to the downfall of Rome or does it, uh, d does it help them to weather that storm? Mm -hmm. Unlikely. I would, I, I would think, what do you think? I, I think eventually Rome falls because all empires fall, but I, I do think that middle period between their rise and fall would be a lot stronger um, if their leaders, their senators and emperors are not, you know, suffering from paranoia, paranoia and tremors and, and slobbering all over each other. Um, each oh, other. it was on each other. I thought it was just <laughs> maybe. On I, don't know. I, I missed that the first time around. I don't know how Romans party. That's, that's not my problem. I don't know, Eric, what do you think? I, you know, Caligula. <laughs> part of me wonders you know not uh, like how did the, what was a what was a percentage of people affected by this in the aristocracy in the patrician class um like were they all doing this or 
because it you seemed know, you like have, from what I've read, it was a pretty large portion, especially of those that lived in Rome proper. But I mean, um, there's enough Roman not necessarily governors, but people, Roman patricians who are able to lead ably. It only seems like every few emperors are completely insane. Um, yeah, but they, there's also like, the question of just the, the corruption of power. Sure. But uh, another example is the Habsburgs, right? The great European dynasty throughout the Middle Ages. Uh, they had some problems, not lead-based poisoning <laughs> problems, but their uh, familial inbreeding led to some weird, weird uh, kings and emperors. A lot of those family tree branches so, grew back into so themselves. So Yeah, it was like a stem. But um, So I don't know why you can say that when you have mental problems at the top, it's not like we don't see that in modern America, beep, beep, that there's problems beep, 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 at the bottom. Oh, yeah, we're not. no, our, our right. problems are caused by. No. The Time's rules up. are rules, Eric. This Time's is not, up. Um, there are rules. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. The sound effect was really helpful. Okay. All right. Listen, I'm going to go next. Um, All right. Is the timer ready? Hold on. No, I, yeah, I got it one ready. Well, you didn't use it. I did. I said I he did. He counted it down silently on screen. I totally forgot to mention the one minute we were at. Oh, okay. All right. Go ahead, Jeff. All right. What if oil is never discovered in the Middle East? Um, Oil was discovered in the Middle East famously while they were looking for water in 1909. I bet Um, they were so disappointed. Yeah. What is this crap? Um, (laughs) In in this scenario, uh, the rest of the world still has oil. Um, the same amount of oil, but that vast ocean of oil in the Middle East is never discovered. Um, you still have the rise of Islam, but does it become as powerful? And, and what are the, uh, the, the offshoots of something like this? A, uh, a few things that I came up with quickly were, you know, and this is going to sound stupid, but a less progressive Middle East. I know the last thing that most people describe the Middle East as is progressive, but Imagine, if you would, a more backward Middle East, uh, even sure. less progress than they already show. Um, yeah. Israel is probably larger and more powerful. No Middle East, uh, no Saudi to to keep it in check. Uh, Saudi Arabia, modern day, probably looks a lot more like Afghanistan than it does this huge kingdom awash in money. And uh, how does that play out into, into modern history? What do you think, Jake? Well, I think... Uh everything you said is accurate. I also think Russia would be far in a far stronger position um, because America has never really needed Middle East oil. We'll buy it and we use it, but Europe desperately needs the oil from the Middle East. And a lot of the reason we get involved in the Middle East militarily is because of that. Um, If there's no Middle East oil, Russia is the strong man in the neighborhood um, because they do have a ton of oil and they would become the primary agent um, to Europe. And I think that would be a very big consequence. Well, the, their finances would be wildly different yeah. in history. You, you probably don't have the fall of the Soviet Union, the Cold War. Um, I mean, Reagan famously spent trillions of dollars and just basically outspent Russia. Can you can you do that? Does does the Cold War turn into World War Three if there's no oil in the Middle East to offset mm-hmm. that 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 balance? I mean, if Russia has that billions and trillions of dollars added to their bottom line every year, history can and be it, and wildly it changes, different. And it changes our relationship with Europe too, right? Because being Europe's protector only works if we have the money to back it up. And if Russia also has that, that changes everything. Um, so yeah, that's one big one. Eric, what do you think? Well, I think for darn tootin' sure, Qatar <laughs> does not get the 2022 <laughs> World Cup. I mean, there's the real consequence that comes to the U.S., but that's okay because the 2022 World Cup is going to absolutely be atrocious. A, it's in November, December. B, it's in a place where they have to like have moral free zones so you can drink and, you know, uh, you know, do whatever you want without being arrested and thrown off a building. So but the also, biggest consequence to you is that hold the on, World Cup hold on. Guitar. But okay, also, no, just at this point, we wouldn't even want the 2022 World Cup because we're still going to have like COVID 
consequences in 2022. So I'm glad we have the 2026 World Cup. That aside, uh, when we say discover oil, when when was the discovery of oil in the Middle East? 1909. 1909. Um, I mean, I think that... It completely reshapes the 20th century, right? Yeah, I'm guessing the, there. the how the Ottoman Empire responds to World War One is going to be slightly different. How the British eventually have domain over large swaths of the Middle East and Egypt is going to change. Um, Kuwait doesn't even exist, right? Why would you colonize if there's nothing there? To, yeah, no I mean, you, we say Israel. Maybe Israel is bigger, but is there an Israel? Um, after That's World true. War II, is does World War II occur in the same way um, if that oil is not there drawing certain Less than you know strategic uh, movements during the war? So um, <clears throat> yeah, does it remain kind of I when we say backwards, I mean, you know, yeah, like Afghanistan or or inland areas that that don't have access to water um, and don't have any other natural resources. I mean, is there even an Israel? That's a great question. Yeah. I mean, but Israel, yeah, that, that, that plot of land is pretty useful and resourceful. So I don't know. Theodore Herzl just works on his pool game instead. Right. And we're at time. <laughs> All right. Uh, who's next, Eric? Sure. Or not, I mean, I can go again. No, I, I, I like this one. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, in uh, 19, from 1901 to 1909, uh, Theodore Roosevelt was president of the United States. After he uh, left the office, he basically spent time like hunting big game in Africa and traveling the world. Um, and his hand-picked successor, uh, uh, William Howard Taft, uh, was president, elected in 1908, was president from 1909 to 1913. So the question is, um, Teddy Roosevelt uh, came into the 1912 election, uh, wanted to win. The he was not happy with how Taft was handling things, wanted to win uh, the Republican nomination in 1912 back from Taft. Uh, so the question is, and, and he didn't, so he started his own party called the Progressive Party, and he ran, and he won a lot of votes. He even won a few states, uh, but he came nowhere close to what he needed to beat Woodrow Wilson. So Woodrow Wilson becomes president in 1913. So what if Teddy Roosevelt wins the Republican National Convention, drops Taft from their ticket, if... Teddy Roosevelt has all the Republicans and all of his progressive uh, party votes. He landslides over Wilson and he's president at the beginning of World War One. Which well, when we're Wilson, in World War One on day two. Yeah. Like, yeah so right. War is declared day two. Teddy Roosevelt's leading a ship across the so, sea. Where's my big stick? Yeah. You know, Wilson, Wilson ran in 1916 on the he kept us out of war platform but um if if teddy's there how do we approach world war one differently with teddy because teddy was like he really teddy criticized tried Wilson. to sign up and he was in his 50s and they're like dude you cannot fight now like <laughs> like he wanted to go and they're like no 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 no. we we need soldiers we don't need them that bad like he, i think we get involved real quick um so I, I read probably, an essay probably on the side this. of the Anton. Okay, uh, I read an essay on this by uh, uh, Professor John Lukacs, and it was very interesting because it doesn't necessarily put us into the war right away, but um, it's earlier, and Teddy takes he starts preparing our army right away. He's like, "We're going to build an army before we get into the war. We're not going to wait until we declare war. So that if we declare war, we're going." Um, it's kind of an interesting supposition where he demands, hey, you're all going to lay down your arms. You're making peace because we're on our way. So once we get there, know that we're either going to do this or 
we're coming in with 4 million soldiers and we're going to end this thing for you. Um, it was an interesting essay, but again, how does that affect World War One? And then, um, which is a wildly arrogant American way to look at it. Like, well, we'll, we'll fix it. Like it was at this time, but at that time, we didn't have really a standing army. To, I know you said that why he would build one, but yeah, at this time, the two largest armies in the world were France and Germany, and they were just destroying each other. So yeah, so it's interesting because uh, this would have been Teddy's third term, right? He took time off. He would have come back for a third term. <laughs> The first president that I know of who considered a third term was Ulysses S. Grant. Um, again, after time away, came back and considered a run at a third term. Uh, and of course, Roosevelt's nephew, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, had four terms. So, or was elected to at least four terms. So I find that kind of interesting that. You got one minute. Yeah. Um, yeah. You got anything, Jeff? What does our National Park Service look like? Uh, Teddy was a big advocate of national parks. And, he was. Uh, and that across the board, maybe it's uh, robust. Maybe we have more than we do now. Oh, I think he beefs it up even more. Well, and, and okay, and here's something else. If, if he is the Republican or progressive president, now you have a third, let's say he's the progressive, now you have a third party legitimate party now that can win national elections so does the democrat party die or does the republican party well, die or does one of them merge this would have been based on him winning the republican nomination oh because it was well then was, you have uh, wilson taft roosevelt and debs who were running legitimately running in 1912 to begin with well then you could have a teddy to coolidge dynasty which you would love uh, you got to deal with harding first <laughs> okay Gross. and time uh is it my second term i think yeah all right somebody with a timer i'm sure is ready i got it i got it all right, all right. let me get my notes okay so my, my question is what if Nick Saban got Drew Brees in 2006 when Nick Saban was the coach of the Miami Dolphins. Um, at the time, Drew Brees was 27. He was uh, with the Chargers, but he was his contract is up there moving on to Phillip Rivers and letting him go. Uh, he just had sold shoulder surgery and uh, he went to visit New Orleans and he went to visit Miami. Uh, the Miami doctors told Nick Saban, yeah, it's not worth it. Don't take him. He's, he's never going to be the same guy. New Orleans took him and obviously they went on to have the success. They won Super Bowl 44 against the Colts and um, Drew Brees has basically smashed every single record in the NFL. I, I don't know if there's a passing record he doesn't have at this point. Um, New Orleans wins their first Super Bowl. Um, Miami continues to wallow in mediocrity um and so my my what if question is and and I, before i say what i think i'll just ask you but what if nick saban gets drew Brees in 2006 as coach of the dolphins my knee-jerk reaction is nick saban runs famously difficult practices he further injures drew Brees' shoulder <laughs> ruining his career and ends up at alabama anyway so it just takes a year okay. longer. Okay. That's a fair Then he goes on to become, I mean, the guy is amazingly unlikable, but he's probably the greatest college head coach ever. There's, yeah. there's very little debate about that. Yeah. He, no, he's I, I, so good. He's made college football basically unwatchable. It's I boring. Mean, unless you're a Clemson <laughs> fan. Alabama fan. Or an Alabama yeah. fan. I mean, if you any Arizona school, any Pac-12 school, it doesn't matter. No, but Big Ten school, like uh, Ohio State, they're far and away the best program in that conference. And they're, I mean, how many national titles have they won in the last 10 years? One? They won one with Urban Myers. One. That's right, yeah. with Urban. So, Yeah. So I, okay. I think that's a fair response. I think I'm going to take the, I'm going to take the dark alley. In no, there. I like so it. I'll let it's, Eric, uh, we got to keep it real. 
Eric, you had a thought? I mean, so I guess you you took that. I I don't know exactly how Nick Saban runs his practices or that he's going to hurt Drew Brees. My guess is Miami does does better. Um, but is the chemistry between Drew Brees and uh, who's the uh, the New Orleans coach, uh, Sean Payton? Sean Payton. Um, you know, is that chemistry what's really done it for the Saints? It, can that be replicated in Miami? Is it so much on Drew Brees as he is now? Uh, is that going to come out in Miami? I don't know. But my guess is Alabama becomes a bottom feeder of the SEC uh, <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, maybe not my guess. I don't my, know about hope, that. my hope in that alternate universe is that Alabama just it becomes, you know, you know, the tide never. Oh, no, I, I get it. And uh and Vanderbilt goes under rain for a decade. Arkansas is yes. the king. Um so real quick, my thoughts are different than both of yours. I think Saban staying in Miami is becomes a foil to New England's dominance of that division. A big reason New England has been so successful is because they've had terrible teams in their division, Miami, Buffalo, and the Jets. So if you have a legit Miami team with Nick Saban and Drew Brees, not that they're going to become a dynasty, but they're probably going to be in the playoffs a few times. And that means New England isn't. Um, So that harnesses or that hampers Bill Belichick and and Tom Brady's. And if, um, and let me, can I just jump in there? If, if they can foil new England a couple times, does that mean Belichick and Brady break up earlier? Be nice. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe Belichick keeps Garoppolo or something like that. Um, you know, cause Brady looks washed at this point. So I, I think there are some ramifications there. Uh, obviously college football is wildly different without Nick Saban in Alabama for the past 14 years or, or whatever it is. Uh, Saints don't win a Super Bowl. They continue to be the Aints um, of New Orleans. I could get on um, so board possibly that. the so possibly Peyton wins his second Super Bowl with the Colts that year. Um, yeah, there's a lot of possibilities that could happen um, with Nick Saban staying in the NFL. Uh, Boom! Boom! That was nice. All right, do we have any others? Eric, do you have another one? Because I know one uh, of your first one was um, the Kennedy one, which was from one of our viewers. Yeah. No, I, di- I didn't have another. I mean, I like uh, Jeff's proposal earlier. What if Trump had had lost the uh, 2020 election? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are we looking for a spot on OAN or Newsmax? <laughs> what are, so, so I, just, we're going for? I want us to get banned from everything so we can claim we're being oppressed. Yeah, our low, numbers down because the right direction. our low numbers aren't because people watch us. It's because we're being shadow banned by yeah. Twitter. That's why. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Um, I, I don't have enough. <laughs> uh, what if the refs call uh, the head-to-head hit don't, don't, on the Browns don't, don't at goal it. line? Don't, don't pick on the refs. You, you <laughs> no, have I'm no just, idea. No, I, I know I... I, I, I've done some refereeing, basketball refereeing the past couple of years and completely changes the way like you view the sport. It's easy, right? It's like, yeah, it's like, what was that call? It's like, well, I honestly can't remember, but. <laughs> <laughs> Eric's a real student of the game, so to speak. <laughs> I don't know what charging is. Nobody does. Nobody knows charging. I remember. So when we were teaching and I was the soccer coach at uh, the school formerly known as Blethsemane, um, I uh, I remember one of our games, Eric was the ref and I, he was out there with his cards and you, yeah, you know, just waving the yellow and red terrible card. calls on my <laughs> warriors. And um and I went out there, me and Albert like went out there to go contest a call. And he like, like puts his hand up. He's like, no, stop it. Go over there. And we're like, 
Like Eric, you've never been this aggressive with us ever. Been. <laughs> I drunk on the power, and and he's like, he pulls like he, he like he pulled out the yellow card like to tease us with like if you oh, don't oh, make me. Oh. Don't. Like, whoa, whoa, okay. hey, hey! You made it sound like I was a sassy period. bartender. Like no, you stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did kind of sway your hips, like you kind of sashayed across the field. Well, but that's not the point. <laughs> it's just, it's just, man. I remember. Like I, thought, I thought being your best friend and being in your wedding was enough. To yeah, and going to the same school. Come on, yeah. you, can't, you can't homer up in that situation. Yeah. But no, he was. A I man remember refereeing in the tournament because our fourth graders slide tackled one too many times yeah so. swallowed the whistle there yeah. right zebra uh <laughs> we were in that championship uh championship game and uh we had the they wanted to do two refs because they wanted me and someone else i'm like well i don't i haven't refereed with two refs there's a way to do it it's tricky but he was calling like nothing on his end and so i'm making calls at my end everyone's yelling at me i'm like listen he doesn't know what he's doing so one of their kids slid tackled one of our kids and there was like no whistle. So I blew the whistle, ran over there and I had to give the kid a yellow card. And uh, someone from the opponent's team, a parent came up to me after the game. I was like, you know, that was really aggressive. You shouldn't have done that. And I said, what? I said, give him the yellow card. I'm like, He's, he broke the rule. Like, no slide tackling in this league. He slide tackled. It's it's a yellow card. Like, well, you didn't have to run over there. I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> I didn't want like, you know, one of our kids to get upset gambled. and shove a kid mm-hmm. afterwards because then I have to pull a red card. I'm like, no, you, I have to. So refereeing is difficult. Well, I think Jeff parents are the worst. Yeah, parents are the oh worst. The head coaches are right behind them. Yep. Yeah. They it are. was funny. In my experience, the, the players are they're polite. All I almost all I ever get out of players is yes, sir. Coaches and parents. Oh God. That's why the police meet us at midfield after the game. <laughs> it's not the players in pads and helmets, it's the parents. Well, the players you know. got all their aggression out on the field. They're yeah. they're fine. Yeah, they're they're exhausted. Yeah. The parents are all liquored up and pissed off. They're ready to go. <laughs> it's funny, you know who my my the last couple of years I was at, you know, I was teaching and um, Eric, you wrangled me in as the scorekeeper, the scoreboard guy. And Jeff, he would sit next to me during some of the games for the basketball <laughs> games. And we would just provide our own little commentary. And, and I would just watch you as a head coach for the basketball team. And then I watch Cameron coach. And I'm like, these guys think they're Bobby Knight, like <laughs> running out on the court Especially Cameron, he gets so worked up. I'm like, you're coaching third and fourth graders, man. Chill out. Like, like, like the other team isn't even keeping score at this point. Just like breathe. But man, we get worked up. So I don't know. I, I, mean, I loved you, it. I loved coaching. You got worked and I up loved- on the uh, the soccer sideline a little bit. I did only because you made terrible calls. <laughs> what are the rules in soccer for a coach coming on the field? Do you know, Eric? Hey, um, go back I over mean, there. That's all. Yeah, I they Guys. step on the field. You warn them. Back it up, please. Uh, I can't remember if uh, I, I honestly can't remember if you can card the bench at all. Uh, I. I not one of the things I was too concerned about. I'm like, what is a, an illegal, like slide tackle? What can't you do the rules of the game? As far as people wandering onto the pitch, I don't know. I'm guessing that Lutheran youth league soccer, you're pretty much just, you're making up the rules on your own. It's what are the rules? I don't know. Just ask Eric. I'm pretty sure I was the only referee who knew the rules. Any rules? You were the only one that dressed the part, too. Yeah, I did. You had, like, the full uniform, and yeah. you were set to go. Were you wearing shin guards out there, Eric? No, just just the knee-high socks. Just, and the whistle and the cards, running around yeah. with your cards? Oh, he had the shorts, and he had, like, a, a ref shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'd have people the, just come the, out the there. And, oh, yeah. Hey, yeah. you look good. You ref good. Yeah. Uh, did you have a little microphone taped to your face? 
Yeah, but I was talking to nobody, so. Oh, it's not plugged in, but it was there. Yeah. <laughs> no, I had to like wrangle parents for line ju- line uh, judge to like, I'm like, you're looking for offside. And they're like, what is that? And I'm like, you'll know it when you see it. <laughs> like, I, I can't teach you. No, they word. won't. So I had to go get a soccer parent, a couple soccer parents who knew the rule from yelling at other refs. I'm like, you're going to, here's your flag. You're my, you're my line judge. The best part is that my assistant coach was Albert and man, if somebody made a bad call on a offsides or. He's a hothead. Yeah. He would let them know and they wouldn't make that mistake again. At least if they're on our side of the field, he should be on the podcast. He should. Wasn't his nickname when we were playing soccer, wasn't he Sarge? Wasn't that on the back of his jersey? It might have been. I think it was Sarge. Did he play with us much? He played one season. Yeah. 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 Played a season. His sister played too. He was feisty. Yeah. Yeah, he was good. (laughs) He was something else. We didn't win a lot of games, but man, we were always ready to fight. Like We had fun. Uh, yeah, we had fun. I had a blast, and we wore kilts. It was awesome. We did. I did. Right did any now. other team show up in face paint? Didn't you show up in face paint once, Jake? A couple times. Yeah, a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good job. I remember. Man. Awesome. One last year game they, of the season, I they know. questioned us. They're like, "You can't wear those," and we're like, "Are you sure? What do the rules say?" And they're like, "All right, we're not, we're not fighting this." Yeah, the rules are clearly mute on kilts. <laughs> I also right. cut the sleeves off one of my jerseys, and they weren't too happy with that either. But I didn't care. What are they going to? Are they really going to yell at the guy with a sleeveless jersey, a kilt, and face paint on? Is that the guy that they're going to want to <laughs> pick out? Just and leave like, him alone. Yeah. yeah, let him have his Wait. fun in the back. He's not. Did... Were you at the Capitol last week? Yeah, yeah, that was me. <laughs> Baked Alaska. Or no, whatever that, whatever that guy was. That I mean, now that I think about it, that that would have fit in perfectly. Kilt, that face guy, cut off shirt. No, oh, yeah. well, oh, would have fit that, in on the team perfectly. That crowd, vice versa. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all just swap. I think uh, I think wearing a a helmet with horns might be a bit much on the pitch, especially the way some of us ran into each other. God oh, help us if Steve Ciola had any. At any sort havoc. Of, yeah. <laughs> he was havoc. What was your name, Jake? Blue. Well, I had two. Blue Streak was one. I forgot the other one. I forgot my other team name. No. I know. I remember Blue Streak. Oh, yeah. Raptor. Raptor. That was it. Raptor. Yeah, you were hammering yeah. Raptor. Yep. I uh, dare hooned. You were El Cacahuete, right? The Cacahuete. See. <laughs> Yo soy el cacahuate. Yeah. And the Mexican teams we'd play against, they'd look at me like, what the? What's this guy doing? Yeah. See, okay. You, you, you know what this means, cacahuate? You know? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I just, yeah, he knows. He said he knows what it means. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. Good times. Oh. Let's start an indoor soccer league again, guys. I know we're in three different states, but let's make it happen. Yeah, oh, I'll man, say this. I, I would not I enjoyed- step on a pitch again after watching steve shatter his arm like that that was yeah. i was like i'm out of here i dodged a bullet i'm done yeah i friday nights were a lot of fun i like the 90 minute games but it was also nice on like a tuesday or thursday to go get a 40 minute game out of the way and be done and indoor was just a totally different animal yeah so is this how we're ending the show? We're just going to talk about our, our soccer not-so-glory days. days. Is that – yeah, no, there wasn't much glory. I mean, we were we the had There was no – hey, hang on. There, there was some indoor glory. We won some trophies. We won indoor we did. Seasons. We did win a couple. I don't know but, how, but it happened. <laughs> Gumption. We just had a lot of spirit. Moxie. Gumption and Moxie. That's what it was. Sass. And ringers that we would buy. We'd, we'd pay people off to help us play better. So, all right. I think it was a great episode. I think we talked more about soccer than we did any of our actual historical what ifs, but that's okay. Good enough for me. Hey, great Sunday. Uh, good luck uh, in the playoffs next weekend, Jake, and uh, good luck in the NFL next year, Eric. <laughs> yeah, we'll see.
whatever. It's on to the NBA now. All right. Well, I'm Jake. Eric. Jeff. Jeff. Make sure you guys like, subscribe, follow. Um, we're on YouTube, anywhere you get your podcasts. And comment. And comment. But, Feel free to comment. Yeah. Um, thanks for joining us and uh, have a great week. See you, everybody. Yes! <laughs>